But God is good, amen? Uh, love that singing this morning. Appreciate all of that uh, the, the group does for us. They really enhance our singing, and we appreciate them much. Before we get started, I just want to say two real quick things, just two really quick announcements, I guess. Wednesday Eve Fest, I know it's probably mentioned a little bit, but that's a meal that we have before our Wednesday night uh, classes that we have together, so come and be a part of that, sign up for it. But our, our Bible classes uh, for the quarter, they started a new quarter this week, and um, um, you know, there's classes for all ages, and so we want to encourage you to come. And many of you come on Sunday morning, but not so many on Wednesday night. We want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. We have a ladies' class, a men's class, and we have an overflow class and class for all ages again. I'll be teaching on the book of Matthew actually in here on Wednesday nights uh, through the month of September. want to encourage you to come and be a part of that on Wednesday nights. Just want to put that plug in there. But God is, God is an awesome God in that process. It kind of gives you another little shot in the arm during the middle of the week. Kind of gets you through the rest of the week. So come and join us and be a part of that if you would, please. Anger. Um, anybody get angry this week? Um, anger. What do we do with that? How does that come about? You probably heard of the one of the lady that was driving a Mercedes. She was trying to get, find her a parking spot at the mall. She found one. She pulls up and she starts the back end. This young whippersnapper pulls in with his sports car, takes her spot. Well, she doesn't like that much, so she rolls her window down. And she said, hey, what do you think you're doing taking my spot? He gets out of his car and he simply says, oh, I don't know. He says, I just guess I'm young and quick. He laughed about it and went on his way. As he was about to enter into the mall, he heard this crash, crash. He looked back, and this lady was taking her Mercedes and ramming it into his little sports car over and over again. He ran back out to the car and says, what in the world are you doing that, and why are you doing that? And she rolled her window down and says, oh, I don't know. I guess it's because I'm old and rich. <laughs> Anger. I like, the, I like the one told about two little boys they were talking about. One of them was looking at the bathroom scale and said, what in the world is that thing? The other one says, I don't know for sure what it is, but I know one thing. When my mom climbs on it, she gets real angry. So what gets you angry? What causes you to be that person that just, poosh, is it quick or is it slow to anger? Which one is it? Because we all get angry. Do we? Yes, the answer is yes. We all do deal with anger for sure, there's no doubt. Do you get, is it about people or circumstances that blows your fuse? Or maybe a combination of both, I don't know. Have you gotten mad, uh, uh, angry the last w month, last week, on your way to church today? Somebody's driving too slow. I can't believe it. it's a 35 mile an hour zone and that guy's only doing 34 and a half. We get angry. People get angry about a lot of things. What blows your top, if you will? Anger. Anger does what to us? It sucks the happiness or the joy out of us and makes us miserable people. You know somebody like that, don't you? They used to have joy or they had a measure of this great joy. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about how do you get happy back in your life? One of the things that steals happy from you is this thing called anger. And if you deal with it long enough and often enough, what it does, it not only steals it from you, it makes you this grumpy, old, miserable person. Know anybody like that? 
In James chapter 1, the Scripture there tells us to be slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. Now think about that for a moment. Slow to become angry. Now we don't know actually who wrote the book of James. We take a lot of guesses, but I'm guessing it wasn't slice and dice Peter, don't you think? Because he blew his top a few times through Scripture. There is no doubt So it is something we all deal with. If you go to the Old Testament, listen to what the word Scripture says there, but listen how it almost connects with us today. It does connect with us, but how it connects with us. Watch. It says, They refused, in Nehemiah 9, 17, they refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. Sound like our world today? Sound like our nation today? Oh, my We read Scripture and we find ourselves in it again, don't we? History repeats itself. They become stiff-necked and they're in their rebellion and they appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. And they just wanted to go back to where they were, not to where God wanted to take them. But notice what it says, and praise God for this, and I should hear an amen, but you are a forgiving God. You are a gracious God. You are a compassionate God. God. Notice that. Slow to anger and abounding in love, therefore you did not toast them, desert them. We've got a little preacher back there today. That's great. I love that. That is good. Silent church is a dying church. Someone once wrote these words down, and I like it. Now, everybody likes the Jesus who teaches us about love. We talked about it in our Bible class today. Stan's teaching a class on love and togetherness and all those things as well. But we, we love the one, that we like the one that teaches us about love. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Jesus that takes the little child and blesses them. People love the miracle worker. They love the one who heals the sick, set the the captives free, and certainly the one that answers our prayers. I like that, Jesus. There's just a good feeling and the comfort that comes from the baby in a manger, the one that gave it all for us, the calmer of the storm, storm, the forgiver of sins. We like to talk about that. But was that all about Jesus? Well, let's discover in a couple of verses here. First one would be Mark chapter 3. So let me kind of give you the background here. Jesus is really up against a battle. He's come to do the Lord's bidding, which is to die on the cross, has been mentioned already today, no doubt. But in that, he's going to have some conflict. And first thing he does is he runs into some religious leaders. They just want to nail him on the cross and get rid of him. And in this process, he's in an assembly there. And in this, there's a man that has this withered hand, the Scripture says. And notice what goes on to say. So some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, in verse number 2. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath, because that was a no-no under the law. So Jesus said to the man, notice what he does, and I love this part of it. Jesus said to the man with the shivered hand, why don't you just go ahead and stand up so everybody can see what's going to be done. And then Jesus asked them, he doesn't say anything to the man. Notice what's happening in the time that he's talking to the, the them and not the man. Watch. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. 
And the reason why they remained silent, because they knew what the right answer was, but they were unwilling to give it because of what Jesus was about to do, which was good, and to heal on the Sabbath. He looked around at them in anger. See that? And he was deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, now he's talking back to the man, not to them. He says, now stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand and his hand was completely restored. What do you got to say about that, guys? What do you think they can say now? All they can say is he did good on the Sabbath. Because God always does good. Give me an Amen. In Mark chapter 10, you know this one, and I love this fact. The little children come to Jesus. People were bringing children to Jesus for a blessing. And notice this time it's the hand-selected disciples. What do they do? They're rebuking them, not the children perhaps, but the parents or those that were bringing them. Hey, hey, he's busy, man. Let's stop all this stuff going on. And Jesus does what? He saw this and was indignant. He was angry. He was upset. He was ticked that they would do such a thing. And so he sets them straight by simply saying, Let the little children come unto me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I'm pretty sure the disciples swallowed deeply and said, Oh my. Now for some people, this is hard to grasp. How can it be that Jesus is without sin? Because in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 22, it tells us that he committed no sin. And there's no deceit found in his mouth. That is either truth or a lie, so it is truth because it's in God's word. God's word. Give me an amen. amen. Now watch, and yet he gets angry. Well, isn't sin or isn't anger a sin? The answer is absolutely not. Praise God, it's not. But it's what you do with that anger that can become sin. And see, anger boils over. Ang anger comes out. It's like that, that, that pot that's cooking, you know? You got this pressure cooker. And I, I always do this in uh, um, counseling as well with marriages. And oh, I talk about, what does a pressure cooker do? And all you ladies out there that do that, you know, and can things. I remember when I was a kid growing up, my mom would put the pressure cooker on. And she would turn the stove on. And as long as you heard, you knew one thing. Ladies, what is it? Everything is? Just say fine. <laughs> Everything is just fine. But when you don't, don't hear this and the stove's on and you quit hearing, you better watch out because something's about to blow in that process. That's what anger does. We get it. We got to know how to release it. We got to know what to do with it so that we don't sin when we get angry. Because it's a, one of those easy things on our journey together to get angry and sin. And then we just got mud all over us, if you will. A Christian psychologist said, Dr. David Simmons makes a statement here that I like. He said, the person who cannot feel anger at evil is a person who lacks enthusiasm for good. He said, if you cannot hate wrong, it's very questionable whether you really love righteousness. That might explain, I put in, Ephesians chapter 4, it says, in your anger, do not sin. 
in your anger, do not sin. It doesn't say, don't get angry, never get angry. It says, in your anger, do not sin. So in anger, we can sin or we cannot sin. The choice is left up to us. we got to learn how to release that anger. Or we're going to sin. Anybody besides me ever sin when you got angry? The rest of you? I'm right. Let's go on. What happens when we get angry and we don't know how to adjust to it quickly enough, what happens in that process? It boils over into vile words. You get cussed out, in other words. Anybody ever get cussed out? Anybody ever cuss anybody out? So what happens when we get angry. And in that process, it doesn't look very good. These vengeful attacks come through anger. Just a young man, I guess, I suppose, and I don't know the whole detail, but the young man yesterday down in Texas, Midland area, gets put over by a cop. I don't know what happened. A police officer, don't know really what happened. All took place. But he went off. And five people and five families today are hurting deeply because of the death of five innocent people. Because someone got angry and some two dozen people were shot terrible it's what happens isn't it but a person who does not feel angry and irritated if you will by evil knows nothing of the righteousness of God you see when you come to know God through Jesus Christ you can study God and understand what that God is all righteous and all that he does scripture tells us that for the righteousness of God is the key then to defeat the anger that you and I will undoubtedly go through in our lives. Hopefully we're getting better at that. But on our journey together, we have to be reminded of it often. Yes, we do. Listen closely. God is righteous in His grace and God is righteous in His wrath and His anger. Period. How do I know that? Well, Scripture teaches that. Psalms 145, the Lord is righteous in all His ways, not some of His ways, in all of His ways. And as Christians, we are to be righteous in our grace as we extend it to one another, and we are to deal with anger that will undoubtedly we will experience in our lives. Now, the difference is, of course, we're human. We're human and we fail. We're not God. And when we get angry, we can, once again, we can do some pretty shameful, ugly things, even me and even you. That's what leads to sin in our lives. It leads us to sin, to say things, to think things, to act a certain way, punch a hole in the wall, whatever it might be, but something that comes out of us. When we become angry, we fail to filter through God. And when you, as a Christian, this is what you must always remember in your life. Filter your entire life through Christ, you get a Christ result. Step outside of that, you cannot get a Christ result. You get a human result, and I will tell you, the human side will always lead to sin. It just happens that way. 
So we have to guard against that. Scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Brad, I bet you tell your players that, use that verse, or some of your players do. I've even seen them write the Philippians 4.13, I guess it is, or underneath the eye there, just to let you know. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yay, rah, rah, let's go get them. Sounds good, and it is a good verse. Keep using it. But you don't rarely use this verse in the middle of anger, do you? But it could be the very key that will help you in the midst of anger in your life is that I can do this through Christ as well as I can do that through Christ because I can do all things through Christ. Give me an amen. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We talked about that in our class as well, a little bit today as, as well. It's the love chapter of the Bible, of course. I do this in counseling with uh, uh, people that are wanting to get married. Go to the love chapter. Say, here it is. You want to tell your spouse that you love them. It's not just saying, I love you. It's displaying these things in your life. And one of the great ones there, in just one verse or one statement there, love is not easily angered. So I tell them and I look at them, you will get angry with him and you will get angry with her. It happens even in our marriages. Don't say amen, but it does happen. Just say, you bet. Okay. Now, if you're newlyweds, you may not have figured that out yet, but you're going to figure it out at some point, I promise you. But notice it does not say, don't get angry. It says, do not easily angered. Big difference in that process. Have you ever put gasoline on something and then light a match? How long does it take to ignite? About that long. How long does it take to grow your eyebrows back? Anybody ever do that besides me? we got three honest people here. All right, maybe four. rest of you, I advise you, do not try this at home. Right? That's what easily angered means. It means marrying a redhead. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you have to be careful with that. The problem is often as we allow our tempers to flare, and that is when we fall into this pattern, again, of sin in our lives. And so what happens? Good coaches, good teachers, good parents, good spouses all learn that we, we, we know the buttons to push, don't we? Do we know the buttons to push at people? Huh? I know their button. And if I push their button, man, they're going to blow up. Anybody with me today? You do, don't you? And sometimes in marriage counseling, I have to talk about that. Do you push the button or are you the button? Because there's a difference. And there's usually always one in the family, meaning you push the button and one starts yelling, yeah, it's your fault, but you push the button. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Quit pushing the button. You're going to get the same result, right? Be careful. Now, in this, if you look at Scripture, it says for fathers or parents, or this could be anybody, it's talking about do not exasperate, do not in anger, anger your children, cause them to blow up, cause them to think certain ways. Instead, bring them up in the Lord. And when you bring them up in the Lord, you know they're taught how to deal with it correctly. Because listen to me closely, coaches, parents, teachers, spouses, your children watch you. Children are watching you. And when they see you respond in a certain manner, they will only believe and think in their life that that is absolutely normal for them when they grow up. You're angry around your children. You can't expect them not to grow up and have some type of anger thinking that it's perfectly normal. I yell and I scream because my daddy did. Well, what, what does that help? 
Someone says, well, I just get over it real quick. Well, a tornado only lasts a few minutes, but sometimes it takes a lifetime to clean up after it. So what you do with that is important for your children and for those around you as well. Can I get an amen? It's important. Now, let's see where I'm at in all this. Again, God does get angry, so should we. We should? Yep, we should. So what do we do? We must evaluate how we deal with it. So for me to just tell you, hey, we get angry. You get angry, I get angry, y'all get angry, let's go eat. That's not going to help you much, is it? So what I'm charged to do, according to God's Word, is to teach the truth of God's Word on any subject matter that might come up. Whether I like it or not, if it's in here, I need to teach on it. Because it is the truth, remember? This is all truth in this. So what I want to do today in just the next couple of minutes, few minutes, is to help you how you can deal with anger because I know if you haven't dealt with it, you will deal with it. And so it will help through that process. Now some of you, I understand, your nature is just calm all the time. You just let, like a duck, you let the roll off your back, you know, it's, a, it's just great. And that's wonderful. And I, and I pray that all of us would get to that point. But the truth is it's difficult sometimes. So let's see what we can learn today. Number one, or first I would say, Ask yourself in the anger, is this anger justified? Before you blow your top, ask yourself, is this anger justified? Why do I say that? Because I write this. Oftentimes, people become angry over something other than the thing that they think they're angry about. Do you know that? How do I know that? Let me tell you how it works. You're at work and it's a rough day. Anybody have a rough day at work? And you're at work and you have a rough day, you have a rough week, whatever the case is, and there you are, and you're going through this boss yelling at you, you didn't go through, you know you got bills pay, pay the garage door won't open, and you got a garage door guy's putting the wrong door on there, la la, it's just uh, all over you, right? And so you pull into the garage, and you open the door, and little Junior says something, just one little thing, and little Junior just gets blasted, or the wife gets hammered, just, what are you always doing you ever experienced those things? Well, it happens more than you might think. Well, what you haven't done is you haven't evaluated the, the, the source of this. That's the, that's the straw that broke the camel's back, we say, isn't it? So it's easy for us to do that. I've done that. Many of you in this room have done that. Many have done it and don't even know it. You just do it because that's what you do. You should know the difference in that process. In other words, don't let stress become your launching pad for anger. Because stress, I promise you, unreleased stress will lead to anger in your life. And it will come out. And it normally comes out to the ones you love the most. I've done that too many times in my life. I've had to come back and make uh, apologies and ask Donna to forgive me, you know. I mean, I just had a really rough day. I mean, those elders were just, just to beat me up. I mean, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but I have to come back and I have to say, sweetheart, I am so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And she, she, you know, she goes to say, well, yeah, but I know I shouldn't have said something or done that. Well, maybe, maybe that, well, that's true. No, that, that, maybe that's true, but nonetheless, no, no, no. It really wasn't because, you see, I didn't evaluate where it really came from in my life. And I was blaming you for something or allowing you to take the hit in my life. In other words, don't let stress become your launching pad to anger, I said. 
We all stress about something. Somebody in this room right now, you're stressing about something. It's overwhelming in your life. It takes your focus off of God. It takes your focus off your family. It takes your focus to the problem, the situation, the, the, the whatever it is in your life. And this stress, in our stress, we can have these tsunamis in our life. You say, it's not a tsunami. It is to me. It's got a T in the front of it. And you say, well, that T silent. Why did you put it there in the first place? No one has ever been able to answer that question. No one. And for a person with dyslexic, is it, that is dyslexic, hey, that don't make no sense. So it's, it's a tsunami. Just leave it alone. Makes sense to me. That just makes me mad when they drop those things in there. I just get so mad. Oh, there goes the air again. Better be good. No, it really doesn't. But I just don't know how to pronounce it, so I can pronounce it to tsunami. All right, here we go. Don't stress, don't let your stress lead to anger that will lead you to sin. Refuse that. When you pull in the driveway, or you pull in the garage, or on your way home, <laughs> let that out. Lord, I'm about to go home, and it's been a rough day. Boss has been all over me. This is happening, that's happening, this is going on. You already know all those things, God. And my family, I love my wife. I, lo I stood before you, Lord, and I said, I, until death do us part. <laughs> and I don't want that to be the day. I just want to make, I just want it to be a good day when I get home. I want to just be there for my children, my wife. I want to be there for my kids. I want to be what you want me to be when I walk through those doors. Father, please give me the strength, because I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Calms you down a little bit. And listen to me. Good piece of advice. Don't go home until that happens. I don't care if your wife looks out the window and sees you circling the, 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 the neighborhood 20 times. When, she, when you get in there and she says, what in the world have you been doing? Couldn't you find the house? You say, no, honey, I just love you. You're going to like me a whole lot better than you would have 20 minutes ago. So do what is necessary for you to move through that. God or Jesus never got angry because they were stressed out. They just didn't do it. God didn't look at Jesus and say, oh my God, what are we going to do? I don't know, but I'm mad. Toast a few. He just doesn't do that. But they did get angry. Remember that. Because they got angry because people pursued sin instead of righteousness. Every time you see it. Because they didn't pursue righteousness, they became angry. Secondly, I've got to move quickly. Man, turn that clock back a little bit. Here we go. Will this anger bring glory to God? Will this anger bring glory to God? You might say, can any anger bring glory to God? The answer is yes. You should, we should be angry over the things that makes God angry. It should cause us to get angry. My wife was in a class. If you were in a uh, Lawton school system this week, they took a class on Friday, at, uh, wherever, and, and one of the classes they talked about, and I've done a lot of study on this too, and man, it, it boils me. I'm telling you right here, is this, this uh, children's uh, um, sex trafficking. It's a multi, 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 multi-billion dollars business a year. Now listen to me. For that to be a multi, multi, multi billion dollar business a year, there has to be a whole lot of evil in the world. And it makes me 
angry to think that someone would harm a child in such a way. Let me give you another example. Psalms 139, we are knit in our mother's womb. Does this not make you angry, taking the life of an unborn baby? Some would say, nah, not really. The law permits it. It's okay. Listen to me, and I will not change on this. If God is with you after you are born, then God is with you before you were born because God is the giver of life. Period. Praise God. How can anyone say this glorifies God? They can't. They have no foot to stand on except what they want. Period. But keep in mind, because this is the thing. I can get really angry about those two things, and trust me, I do. But you've got to keep this in mind. Because you're angry about those things does not mean that you need to sin in that angry anger about those things because then you have flipped it over on yourself because God's not in either one of those sins. And it's tough sometimes to make that switch. But as Christians, we're called to be. Number three, always give God praise. Praise for anger? No, always give God praise for not releasing his wrath on you. You see, the truth is, we talked about this love thing in your class today, the different terms of love and how they work out, and I've got all that figured out, but I know a few things about it. With this love thing, you, you see, I don't mind if God toasts some people. I just don't want God to toast me. And that's just being truthful because sometimes I would like to see God toast somebody. Anybody here like that? But I have to watch that. Now, how do I watch that in my life? In other words, thank Him for extending you grace. It's been mentioned. You grace when you deserved His wrath. Do you remember a time when somebody extended grace to you? Maybe a parent, maybe a boss. Maybe somebody at church, whatever the case is. Somebody extended you grace. How did it make you feel? Made you feel good, didn't it? Because they extended you grace. It, was, it means that you messed up royally, but someone said, I forgive you of that and let's move on, pretty much, in that process. You remember... In Matthew chapter 18, where the man owes, and this has got to be quick, the man owes millions and millions of dollars. He has this huge debt. You remember the story? And he's brought before the courts, and the court forgives him the complete debt, millions of dollars. And what does this man do? He goes out, and he finds someone that owes him just a few dollars, just a few little dollars. And he chokes him, throws him in prison. What happened there? You would need to read the rest of the story because it's not pretty. But in this, he forgot grace is to flow both ways. Now, grace does not mean, and this is important because this is, this is what Satan wants you to believe in the church. If he can't get you lost, he wants you to stay lukewarm. Because if he can keep you lukewarm, you'll always fall to the human side. Watch. Grace does not mean that you come into agreement with their sin. I extend grace to you. Oh, you agree with my sin. I didn't say that. Nor should I, nor do I have a right to if I'm following Christ. 
When God extends grace, it is not him saying, I give you permission. You know what it is? It's God giving you time to turn from your sin. And praise God. Amen? Amen. All right, here's a couple more real quick. God's anger or God's wrath is a personal reaction towards sin every time in Scripture. In other words, sin must be dealt with, and it will be dealt with God's anger unless you accept His Son. This is great for those, listen to me, if you're not a Christian, think about this closely. Your sin, all our sin, has to be dealt with. Jesus dealt with it on the cross. And if you accept him, Scripture says, go over that John 3, 16, or 36, and you can read it for yourself. And if you allow what happened on the cross to cover you in that process, then your sin is taken care of. If not, you still carry your sin. And with that sin, there is a, the, the wrath of God remains, Scripture says. I might also add, as the brother mentioned in class today, about Romans. Romans, Romans, Romans. Read it. In Romans 2, 5, it says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart. You see, a repentant heart means this. See, to get rid of your sin, you have to repent. Those of us that are Christians, when we go through things and we blow our tops and when we go through things in our lives and we sin, we have to repent of that as well. That sin was forgiven on the cross, but we got to have not a stubborn heart, but a repentant heart. Repent means about face. I'm not going toward the anger. I'm going away from it. It means I'm not going toward these things that are sinful in God's eye. I'm going toward God that is never sinful. He's always righteous. The wrath of God. The wrath of God will take care of your sin unless you accept the grace of God. If you stay stubborn, you will experience the wrath of God. Well, I don't plan on doing that because I don't believe in this stuff. So when I die, I'm like Rover. I'm dead all over. Listen to me. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. It means that all people, everyone, all those that say there is no God, they will bow before God. They will bow before Him, and they will give an account. If they're covered by the blood of Jesus, we are saved forevermore and eternal life. Give me an amen. amen. If you are not, the wrath of God has to take care of your sin, and you're separated from God for all of eternity. Accept what God has for your life, for His grace will touch even you. Give me an amen. wish you had time to read all these others, but... Read Romans chapter 5, 8 through 10. It's just powerful. But be determined not to let your anger defeat you on your journey, on our journey. There's some things that you may not like about me, and when we take a journey together, a long journey, sometimes we get a little bit disrupted, and we get a little sideways, and we like, you know, I want to eat here, and you want to eat there, and I like this, and I like that, and we want to stay here, and I like that. And that happens, but we have to be careful in all of that process that it doesn't lead to anger and then boil over. Because to me, there's nothing worse than a, for a person to visit a church and for them to see anger within the body of Christ. Oh, come and join us. We're just a bunch of angry people. No. Come, be a part of our family. We're a gracious people. We stand for the righteousness of God. And the way we get that is through Christ and Him alone. 2 Corinthians, the last verse, we'll put that one up. God made Him who had no sin 
to be sin for us. Oh my, the perfect lamb given all the sins, our sins, the sins of the world placed on him, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God wants you to be righteous. And the way you and I stay righteous is to stay in Christ Jesus. And when we know that we're covered by him, and when we find ourselves getting angry, we know that we can filter it through him. And when we come out on the other side, we'll come out just right because we know Christ is always right. Maybe today you want to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. We pray that that's your day. Today is your day. God stands ready if you stand willing. All you have to do is repent of your sins. Confess that He is Lord. Be buried in Him in baptism. Receive that forgiveness of your sins and then receive the filling of the Holy Spirit, Scripture says. For those of us that are Christians, maybe today, maybe this week, maybe this month, maybe this year, you've had that struggle with whatever in your life. And man, you'd really like for someone to just come alongside of you and not condemn you, but to love you and pray with you. That's what we do right now. If you need in any, any way a prayer today, we stand ready to serve you. Right now, you come together as we stand and sing.